Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price and Business Show. Barbara Comstock, she's joining us here today. She's a regular on the program. We love having her on the show, both a personal and sh uh, fan favorite of the program. And uh, Barbara is a former member of Congress. She has worked as, a, as a, an official for the uh, Justice Department. And she brings us so much understanding, particularly of what goes on in the Congress, that frankly only people who have actually been in Congress. I worked as an aide to uh, uh, the Senate, but uh, her insight as a member is particularly unique. And today on today's program with her, we're going to talk about what's going on in the U.S. House and uh, the problems the Republican Party seems to have in lining up a speaker and how easily the Democrats uh, had their leadership future uh, unfold. It, it's been very interesting to watch. Barbara, as always, welcome to the program. Uh, glad to have you on. Uh, why don't you just kind of, uh, you know, reflecting on your own experience as a member of Congress, kind of give us your sense of the whole situation uh, as it's unfolding up there in uh, Washington. Well, good to be with you as always. Um, of course, uh, the race won't be until the new year, so you know, this is kind of one of, the, one of the big stories in town. So, you know, it continues probably to get disproportionate attention because it still is most likely that Kevin McCarthy will be the speaker because there really isn't another logical um, alternative. But because the vote is so close, you know, Republicans, you know, only have 222 seats. And so right now there are at least five votes that are saying, you know, five Republicans saying they won't vote for him. So that puts him under 218. So the speculation is that he will not get it on the first vote. So then what happens? You know, you go to a second vote, you go to a third vote, and then what happens? You know, do they try and have somebody else? Does somebody cave? Do people take a walk? You know, what do you do at that point? So given that presumably Republicans do not want to throw this to a Democrat, you know, because the Democrats are all going to stay together, and, the, and you, know, you certainly don't want to have a Democrat speaker. So at that point, um, you know, you have to say, do you want a Republican speaker or do you want a Democrat speaker? Uh, because the Democrats are going to have their numbers. So, uh, you know, you go back in the caucus and everyone, you know, kind of confers and, you know, at that point, you have to agree on somebody. And so, it's, mm -hmm. it's, you know, that that's when you just say these guys throw up their hands and say, okay, we'll go with Kevin because they don't have an alternative. Andy Biggs, who is running against Kevin, does not have the support, he is not liked by, you know, the caucus in any way, shape, or form. Um, and the number two um, – Steve Scalise is sort of the only other alternative. Would they then throw it to Steve Scalise? Steve says he doesn't want to do it. So while that may be the alternative, he has said no, he wouldn't do it. So the thinking is at that point, somebody takes a walk and then they get, you know, Kevin, you know, in some way, shape or form gets the votes anyway. Um, so that is the most likely thing to happen. Or, you know, if, if they can't get it, then does everyone agree on Steve? But I still think it would most likely be that Kevin gets the votes. 
Yeah, and uh, you know, people think every time there's a, a vote and, and uh, uh, McCart- uh, McCartney doesn't get it, this is looks bad on him. But frankly, I would think that members of the caucus will sit there and look at whatever Republicans are holding up the process and undermining the credibility of the new speaker. Those people are, are kind of living uh, politically dangerously too, aren't they? Oh, sure, yeah, because, you know, do you – you don't want to have the Democrats in, in charge of the floor. That at the end of the day, that's the that's the alternative, and so you just you you, you can't let that happen. And that's you know the problem is the guys who are holding that up are kind of these misfits who with nothing to lose. So that is the problem. So if if they just keep throwing it like that, that's where. That's where the outside possibility of, you know, if they say, well, we'll go with Steve, that would be, okay, then then that would be the kind of situation where that might be the outside possibility where that could happen. But given that Steve Scalise doesn't want to do that and is happy being number two, and, and really, you know, nobody really wants to be in this situation where you're at the mercy of these misfits, um, you know, the thinking is that, you know, Kevin will get it with maybe 216 votes or, you know, 217, somebody takes a walk. Cause, you know, Nancy Pelosi only got 216 votes. I think that's what uh, Paul Ryan got, I think, at that point. So um, most likely it, it works out in that way. Um, but, yeah, there, there hasn't been drama, much of a mandate. And the excitement is what, you know, and, and he's not going to give up that, you know, that, you know, what these guys, these guys don't have the kind of power and and nobody's going to give it to them because again, these guys are these misfits with nothing to lose, which is why doing this. And nobody wants to give them more power because they, these are people who, you know, are just troublemakers. Well, these are people that are only, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, these are people that are only in the news for circumstances like this. They don't get any bills passed. Uh, they rarely yeah. even bother introducing bills uh, because it's an exercise in futility for them. Uh, they don't know how to build bridges or, or de- develop a consensus. And so this is, uh, you know, this is uh, about the only time they get any attention. And I guess they're going to milk it for what it's worth. Yeah, and because, you know, because this doesn't happen until January, this is their only time to be in the news. So, you know, unfortunately, yeah. they're getting more attention than they should. Yeah, and all, all the time, you know, it, it's hurting the larger caucus, but it's not like any of these uh, misfits, as you put them, which I think is a really uh, good uh, good term. Uh, it's not like any yeah, of them ever cared time, about the they caucus. Should, yeah. They're not team yeah, players. And after, yeah, and after Christmas, they should be put on back on the island of misfit toys. <laughs> I, I'm glad you said that because I was thinking the exact same thing. I, in fact, I was going to get there eventually. You just beat me to it. You know, when you use that, it's the perfect time of the year for uh, misfits uh, to be seen, I guess. <laughs> that's, that's good. So, um, so talk a little bit about the, um, you know, we hear a lot about concessions being made uh, by the speaker. We hear a lot of, uh, you know, demands by particularly the uh, more cons- conservative wing or the wacko wing of the, of the caucus, you know, demanding, like, for example, that uh, the new speaker, uh, you know, chairman should be chosen by members of the committee not by uh, the leadership. Uh, that's, that is pretty unheard of, pretty revolutionary. 
Yeah, and and I don't think that will happen either because really, you know, you have, you know, and I, I think we're going to have some pretty good chairmen. You're going to have people like Patrick McHenry will be head of the Financial Services Committee. Um, you know, you, you'll have, you know, I think it's already pretty clear that um, uh, I think it's, um, you know, Congressman Comer is going to be head of the Oversight Committee. Uh, you know, the, the uh, Ways and Means Committee, I guess that's one committee that is um, still up for grabs. I think Vern Buchanan um, seems to have the edge there. Uh, but uh, that, that is, um, I think, uh, I guess Jason Smith and Adrian Smith are also vying for that. But all three of those members are members who've been around for a while. Um, and and then you have uh, Kathy McMorris-Rogers, who will head up Energy and Commerce. So you have some, you know, real good grown-ups who are going to be running these committees um, and who are going to be, you know, doing good work on the committee. I mean, today, uh, Congressman Comer, um, well, a lot of attention has been given to, you know, that they're going to do all these investigations. He actually has, you know, pretty, you know, I mean, I'm not a big fan, you know, we've talked about of these, uh, you know, the Hunter Biden laptop investigations. Uh, Congressman Comer actually has uh, a piece today in the Wall Street Journal where he's talking about doing a lot of other investigations, things like um, fentanyl and, you know, the problems at the border. Those are good investigations to do. I mean, we do have a fentanyl problem where, you know, we have far too much fentanyl coming in and we have, you know, a high number of deaths, you know, during COVID that, you know, that does need to be investigated. You know, people um, want to have, you know, what happened, um, you know, with Afghanistan, um, you know, money that is, you know, during um, COVID money that went to um, some of these loans during COVID that, you know, was, you know, went to people for fraud, you know, so you need to crack down on that and people who got money for fraudulent means, by all means, go and get that money back and find people who were fraudulent. So that's, you know, good government type of things that, um, you know, the Oversight Committee should be doing. So he did note some good bipartisan things that I think if he does that, you know, the like the opioid and the fentanyl things, those have always been good bipartisan investigations. Certainly when I was in Congress, when we worked on those issues, uh, those issues in in the drug and fentanyl opioid area were always bipartisan. So I hope they do things like that because that would be, um, you know, I think a welcome and refreshing change. And then on things like the Financial Services um, Committee, uh, you know, that's, that committee's been uh, what Maxine Waters and I think the, you know, the chairman of that committee, Patrick McHenry, and the subcommittee chairman will be people like French Hill and Ann Wagner and a lot of senior Republicans who are really good in the financial services area that will, I think, be a refreshing change for both Main Street and Wall Street. Uh, so, you know, I think Republicans have some good opportunities here on the economic front where they said they wanted to pay attention to, you know, you know, gas prices, you know, energy prices, grocery prices, that would be a good thing for them to focus on in the new year. Yeah, absolutely. That's the stuff that if they had done that in the uh, election, there would have been more of them elected. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and I think as we look at races in the new year, I, I saw – uh, some mention today of somebody that I know is a favorite of both of ours, you know, Mitch Daniels is being mentioned as someone who might run for Senate in 
um, Indiana, that would be a very refreshing change because he was one of the most popular governors in Indiana. Talk about someone who, you know, can really get things done, balance budgets, uh, had all kinds of great ideas, has been, you know, running a university. You know, education reform is something Republicans talk about a lot. He has just had all kinds of success in all kinds of areas, and he would be a really, you know, great uh you know, reform or welcome in the Senate and a grown up that would be I, I think the Senate would be uh you know, just very welcoming of somebody like that to to come and and be a real turnaround agent um after some of the misfits that misfired this year. Yeah, he's just so reasonable. When I think of him, I think of reasonable and uh very consistent you know, he kinda reminds me of a modern Kelvin Coolidge. You know, I'm a, I'm a fan of Coolidge. I read Coolidge biographies, and it's roll up your sleeves, let's get things done, let's do what's right. Um, you know, he can talk, uh, but uh, and maybe not as uh, not as conservative in his word usage as Kelvin Coolidge, uh, famous for being told by a journalist, I I was I betted someone that I could get you the same word in two words, and Coolidge said, "You lose." <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's not like that, but there's a similar sensibility, and there's a similar let's do rather than talk that I, I always think of when I think of Ms. Daniels, and really innovative, too. Yeah, and now if, if Doug Ducey wants to, you know, make a run in Arizona, I think after the misfires that we had in Arizona, that would also be a, a welcome um, uh you know, senator in, in Arizona, so we could actually win a seat in Arizona for a change. So that, you know, we, we have some good opportunities here in 2024 if we get back to um, safety. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Donald Trump announced that he's running for president. I might have had to inform you. You may not have heard that. <laughs> After he did that, he, he disappeared. Whatever happened to him? I mean, and when he announced, it was like he wasn't running for president. It almost felt like he was running from jail. It's not like he really wanted to. Not a whole lot of uh, fire in the belly. It was really weird. Uh, and, you know, and then all of his Senate candidates lost. And we don't have much time left, but I do want to kind of wrap up with this. Your thoughts, just looking at the, the complete disaster of those U.S. Senate candidates and the Republican Party now seeming, seeming to, to uh, chill towards uh, Trump. It wasn't because of financial scandals and Secret Service staying at his hotels and the taxpayer's dollar and all that. It's because of uh, electoral performance. You know, it's shame on the Republican Party, but they're not distancing themselves. I mean, I'm wondering what's happening. What, what's your thoughts of Trump's, Trump and his influence? Well, I think, you know, we saw the last Senate race of the season was the disaster of Herschel Walker. You know, I, I think really has made it clear that, as, as Mitt Romney said, you know, Trump just was a, a disaster, um, you know, for uh, these, these Senate seats. And, and, and we have to go in another direction. And I think that's why you're seeing, uh, you know, candidates like Mitch Daniels. Um, and others be mentioned. I think you're going to see some, some real, you know, some new faces too, and some uh, new leaders uh, be mentioned from from the state fronts, and and I welcome that. And I think you're, I think Trump is going to. I, I think this is his his problems will now turn to the legal fronts, as we see next week. The January 6th committee will be putting out its report, making referrals, and I think you'll see in the new year 
um, indictments come his way and his, you know, he will have a lot of legal problems that he will be spending his time on. Yeah, I think you're right. All right, Barbara, always love having you on the program. Barbara Comstock, she is a former member of Congress, uh, former Justice Department official, great resource, and uh, one of my favorite people to interview. Uh, I always enjoy my time with you. Thanks for being with us, as always. Well, and, uh, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays, and if we don't talk to the New Year, and Happy New Year to you. Yeah, we uh, absolutely. Good to talk to you, and I wish the same for you. I'm Kevin Price. Stay tuned for more.